0: Oh hey, welcome to
1: this episode of Real Indigenous where we talk about all things indigenous on your screen and everything in between. Vanga, Angela, in Sinupiak. And with me are.
0: Jason Asnap. Modo, Wicca. Uh, Sunrise, Tipikani. Habitu. <laughs> <How you too? laughs> <laughs> this is telly. Synopsis here from the Esquire article. Um, so Bear finds this his future on top of a house, taking part in that old Oklahoma rural employment pastime, Roofing. Episode 3, appropriately titled Roofing, brings a new director into the Reservation Dogs lineup, Erica Tremblay, who deftly handles a very male-centric episode about Bear trying to learn how to be a man without a father. His mother, Rita, catches him trying to beat up his new tool belt before leaving for his new roofing job. I just bought that one for you. It's brand new. It's a nice one, she says. What she doesn't understand is Bear's journey. He's trying to be a man without his father's guidance and he doesn't want to be taken advantage of or mocked at his new job. Much like the belt, he needs to show a rough exterior. He inevitably gets hazed anyway because that's just what happens, but learns new lessons in the process. Perhaps no one really has all the answers. A lot of the dialogue occurs on top of a roof in this episode, and visually, it's a really strong aesthetic choice. I liked it a lot. It lends an otherworldly element to the episode, a roof is where people can truly speak freely. And in the fourth and strongest episode, Mabel, an elder lies on her deathbed and reunites the core reservation dogs. When Alora's grandma is ill, it brings the whole community, community together, much like the tornado episode did in season one. It's a serious episode laden with awkward moments that force characters to face the past and evaluate what the future may bring family and community alike come together at Mabel's house where they make fry bread and skuski sco- a traditional muskogee dish Co- coffee is poured and chairs are brought out to welcome visitors it's that melancholic mixture of people who are happy to see each other who are happy to see each other under unfortunate circumstances spotted among the cast in the house are staff writer and producer bigizzie pensemau as well as former Sundance Indigenous program director, Bird Running Water. Bear and Cheese arrive and immediately hug Alora. In his haste, Cheese tells Alora, Sorry, sister, she's in a better place, to which Alora replies, She's not dead yet, Cheese. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uncle Brownie arrives with a traditional four pack of sonic sodas. Tribal cop Light Horseman Big is a welcome sight. He brings a large vegetable and his always hungry appetite for love. He spots Rita's spitfire cousin who's been away from home for a while and never one to pass up an opportunity, he quickly goes into flirtation mode. Jackie, who has tainted the reservation dog alliance, arrives with her aunt, much to the chagrin of Bear and Willy Jack. During the community meal, Laura calls for a prayer from Cheese. Cheese, mid-bite, and always one to rise to the occasion, but not really sure of the correct prayer to give for such an occasion and improvises a prayer on the spot with what he sincerely does know. Quote, we know our friend here, Laura, is having a hard time right now as her grandma transcends into that place in the great beyond in a galaxy far, far away, unquote. At the end of the episode, there's a very powerful scene with a surprising twist of humor, humor that only an indigenous, indigenous creative team could bring. I won't dare ruin it. I'll just say that it's a perfect example of indigenous humor and the special ability of the Reservation Dogs creative team to channel it. The ability to successfully navigate a variety of tones, often in the same scene, is the show's secret sauce. Good job. Anything more you want to add before you leave? Uh, Just that the fourth episode is super powerful super amazing super like kind of like to me just the what uh, an, an indigenous true a true indigenous writing directing team can achieve like that that last scene is just like something that only i feel that an indigenous creative group of people who have all this talent only they could channel that kind of that tone successfully successfully channel that tone and it was such a good thing to see like on the screen, like for all these other people outside of our own culture to see like, this is the sophistication of like the humor and the sadness mixed into one that we can show you as 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 filmmakers and artists and writers, that's it. Good talking to you guys, love seeing y'all. I will uh, <clears throat> talk to y'all uh, soon, yeah. all, right. Later. all right, bye y'all. All right, down to us, now let's talk shit about it.
1: So episode three was so understated the lighting, the pacing, it was just, it, it was simultaneously relaxing to me for some reason. And when he talks to Daniel's dad, heartbreaking, just because here's a character that nobody has even taken into consideration up to this point the father of somebody who has died by suicide. And, you know, once again, we're going to talk about a tough subject. And if you know of anybody or if you need any help, reach out people are here to listen to you and they care about you and they want to help there's a new hotline i think 988 that you can call if you or someone else is in crisis so we'll continue with our conversation about episode three
2: yeah good observation about the delicacy I think one really amazing thing that's happening this season I think it happened last season but for some reason it's just like there's a confidence going into what can happen for the production team but they can just kind of do what they need and it's not about proving themselves so much of it's about doing something once they've proven themselves but the, uh, Erica Tremblay uh, directed that episode I think she also wrote it I'm trying to look up the those facts but she did a short called little chief a while ago and it had the delicacies that you're talking about here like there's great attention and care given to like the tone of circumstances um, the psychological underpinnings that sort of creep up just in everyday circumstances and then you've got to deal with them like that that is uh, such a talent to be able to do that in a way that is like realistic and then on top of that it's like you've also got actors that are doing stunt work at the same time, like on this, right? Like this um, uphill roofing.
1: Right, Right. on the pitch, yeah.
2: Yeah, on the pitch, yeah, and it's pretty practical. I mean, there's moments where you can like sense that the camera's shaking because it's like so high. That's quite an undertaking. That is really amazing. Even, Even just like that sequence, in the porta potty, really balancing these shifts between like really dealing with these serious issues and then like shifting into like moments of like humor momentarily and then shifting out. And the humor seems like it's always about like the levity and an escape so that it doesn't get too dark. Um, that is where like the spirit really kind of worked on a level that was like mature like a a mature depiction of a spirit that's not just like a trickster only or is not just a a running gag really providing some like uh spiritual grounding which was really awesome so yeah you're right I feel like and I feel like it's all because of that particular writer director and then also because Sterling's like willing to support that particular person and allow them the opportunity to just kind of be supported but go in the direction that they feel is right and You really get a sense of that director's personality as a result of that. I feel like this doesn't happen in like other series as much. So that's really tremendous.
1: Well, and they're, they're always talking about daddy issues and bears daddy issues. And then it just elevates it because all of these men have daddy issues at various ages, various stages of their life. And it just, you know, it really kind of peels back that layer of generational situations where Yeah. When you're young, you're struggling with it. And then as you get older, you kind of start accepting it and then trying to work past it and work through it. And then on top of that, you throw in a man who's lost his son, a father that's lost his son instead of a son that's lost his father. And so it's just, it's a really, as a woman who had a great dad, it was something that I learned something from and, you know, had more empathy in that situation now, just from listening to their different stories, you know, I was I was a little worried when they were bringing in the cranberry guy, dog face from TikTok. I was like, oh, you know, some. It's great that you have a TikTok following, but can you act? Because a lot of times they can't. I was really impressed with how natural he was. He just fit into the scene. He didn't try to dominate it. Yeah, just fit in with the crowd. With but with his tiktok celebrity
2: yeah and you're like identifying the fact that like there's this running theme in this episode again of like expectations of one thing out of who's been cast and then subverting those expectations and then it's always in the direction of like recognizing that person as a human that's like more dimensional than what you thought going in yeah that's really awesome Um, especially because that that he could easily just be, I mean, he's memefied already, but he could easily just be pigeonholed into just that and becoming like a new, like indigenous trope. So that's um, a great, like, that's amazing. I, I feel like, yeah, that's, that's amazing.
3: If I never knew who he was, I would just assume he was an actor and he was a good actor. I mean, he was like, he seemed like he was seasoned. He seemed like he was someone who has been in stuff before. And I'm hoping that he gets more shows because you know he was that character that he played. And and I think this was like one of the things when Sterling first saw the that TikTok meme, he wanted to cast this guy into his show. And so he finally got him to be in this show. So it's coming kind to of that dream casting kind of thing. And so I thought it was I thought that was really good. I did
2: like while we're talking about casting, of course, I love talking about actors. The Michael Spears, seeing him in this episode, I feel like I hadn't seen him in so long, like the last time that I think I really, really latched onto him was Imprint from 2007, and of course he like sticks around my mind from Skins in 2002, but... I, I know he's been in stuff and I have not, it's just not been on my radar as much. I guess he was Winter in the Blood in 2013. It just felt like it was like the return of somebody that I hadn't seen in a long time. It felt like he was also like the last time I'd seen him, he was probably, I'm trying to think like how old he probably would have been, but he probably would be the age of Bear in this scene or maybe just a little bit older. And so, like, the fact that I'd, I've lived long enough to see these actors like transition into adulthood. And I know like, like I'm just taking this baggage of who they were when they were younger and kind of like see the struggles that they had to go through. And I'm just sort of like able to think about like the history of a native actor having an influence and that sort of like really filling out a world for this like guest star basically. And it's like a celebration I feel like that's the, that's an amazing thing that happens in TV and in series is that like there's these great roles that you put a guest star in and that really displays their acting talent and that's something that this series is really taking advantage of in terms of the medium of like a series having this guest star come in and having this great performance we keep talking about like you know West Studi, for example in like the last episode it, it like this it's such an amazing um, design of the show like every episode there's like another who's it going to be who's the next person that we're going to see and now i'm starting to get used to the fact that like i'm going to be challenged to accept another level of who this person is and that's something that happened here seeing him grow michael spears grow into an adulthood and having to struggle and recognize that like he he can't like uh he he needs other people we need each other, like that's just a common theme it seems like within the show and just seeing it like what you're saying about this, this father and it's something that we're missing really kind of in the show, we don't get it in the first season in terms of like a, a father that's missing a relationship, right? We have a father that's sort of like the opposite sort of like almost playing into some expectations and stereotypes and here we have the reverse and that parallel because it's directly linked to bear allows us to sort of like see multi-dimensional depictions of fathers but you're making a great observation i think just in indigenous media i feel like we rarely depict the father for some reason it's always like the mother or the grandmother or the uncle or the cousin and if it is a father it's like they're the leader of the tribe also
1: yeah and in season one we were in i assumed he didn't have a father i assumed bear or daniel didn't have a father just because the last scene was with Willie Jack's dad. And I was like, oh, well, so Willie Jack's dad is that father-uncle person for Daniel. And then to find out that, you know, he has an actual dad who has changed so radically since his death. You know, we've seen the the his friends change. We haven't seen how it affects a parent. And to hear them talk about how he's changed so much over the past year and everything, it really, yeah, it, I agree. It's really something that is rarely shown in native media and you know there was that whole talk about with african-american fathers and needing to depict more you know engaged father examples in that community and now you know this is nice to see that of an engaged parent in our community so did we ever meet his
3: mother daniel's mother
1: i don't think so not yet
3: right so in the first season when we go into daniel's story in the flashback you know it almost came across that it was like a, it was kind of a shitty parent because they were always arguing and fighting and I, remember he didn't want to go home and so you know they were like well let's go somewhere else and it almost implied well at least with me
1: implied like almost like a,
3: a semi-abusive relationship of some form. oh yeah
1: you're right you're right that there was a scene on the front porch i think where his parents were yelling
3: yeah they were inside the house yelling they were about to go inside right 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 is that in the pilot i I think it was like sixth or seventh episode it was like later like almost second or third to last episode
2: it's interesting i don't like i'm blanking on that episode but it's been so long since i haven't i didn't re review
3: the first season Mm -hmm. god damn it sunrise
0: what the hell why (laughs) did not we bring you in man
1: i don't know (laughs) no but totally you're right i mean it was um there, it was implied that there was a unstable house, and which is why he was always hanging out at Willie Jack's house, because Willie Jack's family is a lot more stable, and her dad's way more invested in his children's life.
3: So we were talking about Willie Jack's dad, and how he, in our previous discussions of Reservation Dogs, is that he kind of was that model of what we thought of as like, this is a good representation of what uh what a father figure should be and even a mother figure too of willie jack and so that was kind of a, a rare thing because we did talk about that before sunrise in our previous episodes about how you know it's abusive parents or it's like a replacement parent or father figure kind yeah, of yeah the whole rapper idea.
1: thing with absent fathers at, at which yeah. point i think all of us were like we all had very involved fathers that was the norm in our native households was Mm -hmm. having a very involved father so the whole idea of you know absent fathers could could fall into that trope of native people depictions of native families
3: so real quick um uh before we move forward so in what's the short-haired girl's name jackie the blonde jackie yeah when they went to her house right uh in the last episode
1: in the second episode they went and found her mom I guess her cousin
3: okay and was there a picture of daniel in that
1: house no it's her brother that also died by suicide
3: oh okay okay i I missed that because i was like is that daniel i didn't know you know
1: no that's one of the things that comes out between her and elora dannon is that they've both lost somebody that's important to them by suicide
3: see that's why it should be an IMAX, so i can see that picture completely
1: (laughs) get a bigger tv (laughs)
3: yeah it's bad that i watched it on my phone
1: (laughs) oh my gosh no i think as an aside i think the actress that plays jackie is amazing i you know she she showed up in dark winds and i was watching her i was like oh my gosh i know that person and then i was like oh that's the reservation she there's just something so still about her that you just I mean, your eyes are just drawn to her. Yeah,
2: she's got this very quiet command. You know, like she just draws a lot of attention. I remember she was at the prey screening and she wanted to get Amber's signature. And there was a moment where like, you know, I was, I was going to take the poster to get it signed. And I looked over and there she was. And she like just had this quiet stance. And everybody stopped to like look at what she was going to do. And she just stood there. She didn't do anything. But there was, like, just this, like, (laughs) command of the space and, like, you know, it's, like, dozens of people, you know. Oh, yeah, it was
3: packed.
2: Yeah, packed. And it was, like, very clear, like, why she's got, like, this presence on screen. It's very uh, very visible just in real life. And, yeah, like, in Dark Winds, very strong. It feels like she's definitely somebody to watch.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
3: Well, you know. From what I understood from, uh, you know, listening to people talking about casting this episode, this series, is they spent a lot of time to find these actors because for me, pretty much everyone hits it out of the park. I can't think of anyone who's like either, you know, mediocre or less. I can't think of anyone where you're like, I see your acting. I think everyone kind of like brings their A game. That's probably, you know, has a lot to do with Sterling. And him taking the time and being very, whatever you want to call the word, but, you know, just making sure that he was getting the best that he could get in this series. And that continues on, you know, even with these co-characters and, and secondary characters and so forth. He's just run that show. He's running
1: it. Like a pro. So roofing. Roofing. Great, at, great, great. At roofing. I'm sorry. Not, not, like, roofie, not roofing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Roof, not roofing.
1: Roofing roof not roofing Ruffin, roofing 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 no if you're Ruffing. from southwest oklahoma it's roof it's a roof roof Ruff, roofing
3: yeah yeah and about michael spears right is that his name yes yeah michael spears he was like a big thing you know like all the ladies were like all in love with him and shit back in the day i remember was he black cloud in dances with wolves no black cloud the fucking ricky schroeder movie like the movie movie i don't oh, think what? he
2: was
3: oh okay i thought that so. was him i remember like yeah like you said just seeing him in all these different movies i always liked him i always thought he was a good actor so yeah uh, so it was he good to, to see him, him again <laughs> no fucking shit they all look alike all these fucking indians man They all. Look alike. oh he is black cloud you're right god damn right i told you motherfucker god damn sunrise <laughs> you're two for whatever man you used to be the guy i relied on to so no shit
1: now you've taken it over young pad one. Anybody ever I, do roofing? I have never had to do roofing. I've had to be on the roof. That sucks too. That, it if you're getting of high it, especially. That's a tough job. It's a good, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a good job for a 16, 15, 16 year old kid who doesn't want to know or doesn't know who, what he wants to do with his life. So it was kind of the perfect first job, I think, because he sure as heck wasn't going to work at the stop and go or whatever which I guess we didn't really talk about that because when they stole the truck and everything you know there was kind of like this well how did they get away with that oh turns out they didn't they had the whole thing on tape the quick stop had the whole thing on video and posted it on YouTube and got a lot of laughs out of it the truck was covered by insurance so that kind of I don't know. Kind of wrapped that up with a little bow with the catfish's life section of the story. You're talking about episode one and two. Yeah, when <laughs> bears trying. To, trying to, dang it! They all run together. Yeah, when bears trying to figure out what what job he wants, and then they oh, kind of it's, wrap it's that a, up.
3: That's why it's a continuation. That's what I'm saying. It's a continuation series this time, this semester, and I kind of like that. How it's kind of like semester I hope it does. <laughs> oh,
1: semester. season. I mean, <laughs> that's a semester. <laughs> We have too many higher education people on this podcast right now.
3: <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, definitely like, uh, I, I kind of like how, how they're changing up the format from the previous season and doing something different. And hopefully they do that again in the third season where it's, you're always going to be on your toes of how they're going to tell their story and what their story is going to be and what they're going to tell.
2: Well, I mean, there were a little bit of through lines in the first season, right? Like the building up the two gangs and whether mm-hmm. they were going to have a face off. And it seemed like there was also like, if the father was going to appear, that was sort of like another thing that's sort of like building up slowly. Um, oh yeah. And they did seem to be, you know, collecting money across some of the episodes in in attempts to do something with it. Likely all leave, right? Until there's a decision in the final episode that only some are leaving and not, not everyone. Just the larger consequences, I guess, across the episodes is not as emotionally they're not as large and emotional stakes maybe yeah
1: yeah but this is i mean because we talked about this about last season is it more of a sitcom or anthology just because there were all these little kind of standalone episodes whereas yeah this season keeps keeps kind of running all together in my mind which is different because it, it just keeps the story going
2: Yeah, but it's also like, it's kind of only two specific stories. I'm still wondering what's going on with Willie Jack. I feel like I have watched five episodes and I still kind of don't know. We're halfway through the season. And and Tully just mentioned, you know, last episode about how Cheese's um, story is something he wants to see unfold. And I feel like I'm still kind of waiting also for that. You know, we still have half a season left, basically. Mm -hmm. Like two thirds can still rise up to the surface, like the way that things seem to be happening in a series like this.
1: Well, just from seeing all of the auditions come through, I kind of know what's going to happen to cheese. So,
2: but so like, I mean, that sounds like something's going to happen, which is great. Yeah. Um, that's some suspense. I'm waiting, I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And there are some amazing surprises that come up in like these episodes. I'm like, oh, I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, we didn't even talk about this, the end of roof where there's like the interaction with this sort of like this, like great spiritual moment at the end. And it's not completely, it's not complete resolution. Maybe it is like sort of like at least a a sense of like calm and connection and this sort of like things are not over, right? And it's like hopeful and also very quiet, like what you mentioned earlier. There's like a, it's not this like, you know, over-exaggerated spectacle, which it could be, you know? But, you like, know,
1: when you're having those kinds of conversations, at a certain point, you just kind of got to let it rest Mm -hmm. and then when you happen to look up and see one of those weird sun rainbow things Mm -hmm. yeah you got to kind of just go okay Mm -hmm.
2: yeah that moment really felt like non-western storytelling and cinema to me
1: Mm -hmm. oh really felt
2: like yeah so i mean the first season it felt like there was a reference to uncle me, right like in the in the hunting episode where they kind of have the interaction about like Uh, are we gonna see uh, a spirit that can't move on? And we kind of see, right, the entity that kind of has like the glowing red eyes and it's like hiding behind trees. And that, it feels like it's, you know, a reference to Uncle Boon Me, uh, or the Past Lives of Uncle Boon Me, with a Thai film, dealing with like also spirits and particularly spirits that are having difficulty and sort of moving on. And that particular reference is non-western and it it feels like this also is sort of like feels very non-western it reminded me more of like Chinese cinema where I see like suddenly there's like a direction where like drama turns into paranormal cinema for a moment and and it's like it's still grounded in a reality because like the relationships to what we're engaged with are not about like surprise or like threat you know and that's not about an end goal like you know, like aliens coming down and like fighting or like taking us up into the stars. And it's like magic. It's just this moment of interacting with something that's just on the verge of like feeling like it's a connection to something that is larger than our, our reality. And that is also very grounded in this, like, what feels again, like non-Western to me. I felt like this movie called Still Life, where there's like this Chinese drama of this guy who's like searching for somebody that he hasn't seen in a long time. And he goes to this location where there's this dam that's sort of like forcing these people to evacuate it out of their valley because their housing is going to be lost to like water that's going to rise in this new dam. And so he's like looking for people that he hasn't seen in a long time. But in the middle of this like dramatic search, there's just this moment where like this UFO like comes out out of the ground and like spins around. And goes off into the sky and then it's never like really addressed again and it's just sort of like this one moment where it feels like any it, it, it i guess symbolically sort of like allows the, the, the film to suggest that anything is possible and that he's probably heading into a direction that you know is beyond his comprehension you know it could mean all sorts of you know heady things but that's something that happened in this episode that was very subtle it felt like that to some degree is a through line that i'm seeing in a lot of these episodes where there's like the element of like just indigenous perspective that allows for this sense of a spirituality that i feel like is not commonly depicted without it becoming like a genre gag that it's like a monster only and it's going to kill you or it's like it's just there to like scare you or it's there to like grant you wishes like that's not at all what's happening in these like quiet moments and that happened in the hunting episode and it feels like it's happening here in the top of the roof where they have that interaction so i thought that was really um beautiful and like rising to this level of like world cinema which is amazing and sort of like breaking away from the confines of just like this 20 something minute series that we keep thinking might be a sitcom like you don't see that kind of stuff in like sitcoms today or not ever rarely yeah no, not right?
1: traditionally
3: yeah. And that's what's the, what's the beauty of, of this uh, series is that you're having a lot of subtleties. You don't have to be explained everything and you don't need to be explained everything, even though you're wondering what the fuck, what was that? What's going on? And so, you know, when I watched it and this is probably when we need Jason here, that fucker, because he's Muskogee Creek. I was wondering if it was a more of a Muskogee Creek kind of reference, because I, I assumed it was something spiritual, cultural that happened in that in that scene. But it was a beautiful scene already, like as it is, you know, because you assume that it was some kind of healing that happened at that moment, and so you assume that they're at least getting some of that weight off of that that loss and that sadness, yeah and yeah. so I thought it was it was just beautiful and and like like you said, this whole episode was you know one of those more of those subtle episodes where they're just being 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 native and doing a simple thing but experience it larger than simple experience
1: well it's funny because i don't even think about it when i'm watching it i just i've i've been in that not that specific situation but in those situations before where you know you're having something some conversation with somebody about something important or deep or moving and then you see a hawk or a butterfly comes by and then you and the person you're talking to you just kind of sit and you look at it and you're like oh okay and then you move on you know
2: at first i thought you can see Say an eagle and then we would hear
1: the scream no <laughs> oh my
2: god and then sometimes you like look over your shoulder and there's like you know a mile worth
3: of trash and you got to shed your tear
1: a little tear coming down my face no <laughs> going back to
3: that talking about that big giant fucking owl what's his name was the owl and how you said that's the kind of like the Mupits, uh, of that time he <laughs> came out around the same time as that indian dude right well he wasn't really Indian, ironized Cody. Right. Give a hoot,
1: so. don't pollute.
3: Yeah, weren't pollute. they about the same time? Smokey the owl. Oh I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, I, was, I like, think they were about no, Woodsy the same Woodsy. Smoky was the Woodsy. Bear. Yeah, Smokey the Bear. Woodsy the Owl. Woodsy the Owl. So right. those two fuckers were around the same time, not really Indian. So that no, Woodsy the Owl was Italian. like a shapeshifter and he He's became that not, dude. oh my
1: gosh, y'all you, with your owls. My gosh.
3: Yeah, the owl. Woodsy the <laughs> owl was a fucking shapeshifter and that no. white Indian. Was he just want people to Huberton, throw their trash the away. They both didn't want people to throw their trash away. That's why they're the fucking same person, <laughs> fucking shapeshifter. I'm telling you right now.
2: Well, I'll say he didn't shape shift very well because it was very obvious. That it's like
3: it was like a not a regular owl. <laughs> and he wasn't a human. <laughs> he was not a regular regular Indian either. So, <laughs> oh
1: my gosh! All right, roofing lovely episode erica Roofing. did a great job erica tremblay uh, who is also adapting yellow bird
3: yellow bird correct
1: right super and then she's also that.
3: she's also a writer uh on dark wind oh, that's is right she- yeah she did a uh, episode uh, was it the last or second last episode and then mm-hmm. she's uh,
2: also like directing a fancy dance yep yep in one word
3: how would you describe what's the name of that episode i can't remember what it's called mabel
2: mabel,
1: mabel. okay Moving. Moving, Mabel. No, that's describing. <laughs> the name of the episode is not- "Moving." No, we're not playing password. You said one word to describe it. It was very moving. There's, there's a whole sentence.
3: We're, we weren't serious, were we, Sunrise? You can talk more. Oh, <laughs> you're the one that restricted it to one
2: word. Yeah,
1: you're the one that set the parameters. So part of me was like, okay, this is like every family gathering I've ever been to, and so I kind of the first time I watched it I kind of glossed over it because I was like oh yeah we're always in the kitchen we're always the one that are cooking we're always the one that are cleaning up this is my role but then they started moving into all of the different little because you know because I say I'm always in the kitchen but I'm also out in the garage talking to those people or when I take the trash out I go out and talk to the people that are behind the house and you know you you forget about those little slices of life when you're there for a function for a purpose and so it was nice to see kind of everybody in the same space, interacting in different little groups. And I think Devery did a great job writing and acting. And acting. That's my two cents.
3: Sunrise, you won't say anything. Can
2: I say more than one word?
3: You can say two.
1: Okay, so my two words.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with everything Angela says. This episode was quite interesting to me even though i recognize a lot of the things that we're talking about like if it was like oh yeah the the amount of people that we've got in the living room the amount of people that are happening in the kitchen the size of the kitchen the size of the environment what's on the walls what they're eating uh, how they engage with each other even like seeing bird there bird running water in the frame i was like oh yeah that this is like what i see with bird it's like nothing out of the ordinary and that is like stunning and then of course there's great sensitivity to like the depiction of like somebody's passing and like the the interchange that happens between people, the responsibility that someone has to take and 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 how hard it can be and like how you face it. I feel like all those things I completely understand and, and is a, so beautiful. And I, it's very brave, I feel like, for Debra to go not only into these places in the writing, but to put her character in those positions. I can't imagine that it's like not forcing her to, you know recall or experience things that might have happened to her um, you know like all that means so much more beyond what conventional television affords. the fact that like somebody's actual voice and experiences like probably coming out I feel like all these details are because it's very personal now all that being said I will say that also like there's such confidence in the direction of this episode I feel like there's great like minutia to the way in which characters are performing and just sort of like the design of scenes and how characters are responding to each other how the coverage of the shooting and the editing allows for like really effective moments of like just watching characters react and actors perform but what was interesting this was so interesting to me that like I recognize all these things as being like things that I see particularly in Oklahoma I will see them also like in Arizona for example part of my other tribes there was something about the way in which it was shot I think the distance of the camera the way the light would hit people the quality of the light the color of the light um, the difference between like the light in the window and the foreground and like the, the bedroom for example very dark foreground very bright window <clears throat> and and then the amount of the number of people in the kitchen and how the camera was in relation to the kitchen. And then the fact that it's also like Devery and the fact that it's also like, Dennis Goulet behind, like the directing. It all felt like it was. I was observing something from the First Nation. This is. These are my two words, and I thought that was really interesting. And it felt like, like that's one of the first things I said to Maya. I was like, "This episode feels like it was shot like in a First Nation's house." And the fact that we're also, it's like not just Devery, but we're watching like Podemski's, who are also you know like First Nations on screen Indigenous royalty, and and somehow. I don't think any of this was intentional, but like just all those things, the fact that we have all these people from this particular background executing this episode together in an environment that's not First Nations, it just seeped into the episode. And I was like, this is so like, this is so interesting to see a perspective, an indigenous perspective that can unite about something, where the events are happening, what happens in these events. But it's just the subtleties of like, the lens that they're shooting with or like the the way that they want the light to look or like just the position of camera to actors or how many actors are staged and where it felt like it was so many first nation films that i've seen and it was like it felt like somehow they figured out a way to make the oklahoma kitchen look like it was like in anchorage or toronto or anywhere that was really fascinating to me and it, it, it like in all of that like i had this sudden, like, strange difficulty that I've never experienced before. I'm put in a position where I'm, like, there are two different tribes that I'm, like, wrestling with here, or, like, two different kinds of, like, indigenous background. The, the fact that I've never encountered that before, like, just put me in this strange, like, sort of, like, surreal experience that, like, it, it was, I had, not I have no words. I still don't even, I can't comprehend what that really means. The part of it definitely means to me that like we've got a definite language to cinema in these different nations. Just our instincts of what image means to us and the way that we've been working with our collaborators in these these different environments. It's very apparent to me that there can be cinema of these different nations. And for whatever reason, we just don't. We don't emphasize it when we talk about it. Or maybe we don't know how to look for it or maybe we're just not like emphasizing a, a media literacy to ourselves about the intricacies of ourselves we're acting like you just set up a camera and you shoot a wide shot and you two shoot too wide too a wide too close two mediums and then you have the scene but like there's all these other subtleties that you know like a different tribe would probably shoot a distance of a medium shot differently from another tribe you know like a Navajo might be a little bit wider than like a Comanche, for example, or, you know, in this case, like, somehow, like, the angle to the bed felt more First Nations than it does, like, I don't know, an Oklahoma tribe, and definitely, like, the light coming in, like, that was, like, a, a key thing to me, like, the how bright it was of two different sides of the window felt like I was, like, watching a movie from Barrow, Alaska to some degree, so that was um really fascinating, so, like, the, 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 the whole episode is just, like, wrestling with all of these ideas. And it felt like there was sort of like this, we're all, we cannot escape these like narratives of like multi-dimensional storytelling today, you know, like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness or like anything everywhere all at once where characters are like thrown into another universe. It felt like for like this moment, Reservation Dogs was like thrown into like a First Nations perspective for the first time and then would have to throw itself back out i don't think i'm pretty sure none of them did any of this intentionally
1: yeah who and was the director
2: it was Dana goulay oh so she, yeah so, you know she's first nations and right, um, right did night raiders that we just talked about yeah um and uh you know like very confident directors great work and um she had another like short that came to Native of crossroads a few years ago that was sort of a science uh fiction this sort of like uh, indigenous futurism i'm trying to remember the title but
1: yeah which one was that
3: i can't
2: remember
3: we mentioned it in our episode when we talked about that raiders not oh, what I was. Yeah. yeah
2: but i thought like that was it was just like such a strange experience like the fact that we have an ability for indigenous creators to just like be so um free to do what they want to do that something like this just makes its appearance you know, like this, I don't know. I like it was just so fascinating to me, and I'm just curious if anybody else picked it up. I don't, you know, this doesn't air in Canada until much later, so I don't know if like Canadians are gonna respond differently, or if they're gonna legitimize what I'm saying, or they're gonna completely say like, "No, oh, you have no idea what you're talking about." But
1: now, I mean, I didn't pick up on that
0: because,
1: you know, I've been in Indian housing a bajillion times, and so I just didn't even it. it our, our Indian housing looks so different from Indian housing up, that I've seen in Alaska and stuff that I didn't even make the connection.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, or even the, the environment is so, like, familiar. And it's probably just, like, you know, I'm expect you know, I, I guess I'm just so, you know, overly sensitive about, like, these details of, like, camera and blocking and light and, and the cutting that I'm, I'm just really recognizing things that I see from other places.
3: Awakening was her short film yeah yeah that was great. Oh, I thought it was beautiful. She's like one of my faves right now
2: yeah so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the the result of your faves work
3: I, I didn't think that when I saw it of what you were talking about of the of the differentiation but when you talk about it, I could see what you're saying in like watching like a first Nations show in comparison to a whatever we are. muskogee creek show i guess i could say but native american indian whatever you are (laughs) but i could see that those differences and subtleties but for me like yeah this felt like it felt very at home it felt like you know this is the experience that you have whenever there's either someone about to die or there's a death and to think about all those characters and all that all that in that small space i'm sure that was so hard to stage and that was so hard to light and the eye lines, you had to be super <laughs> aware of. And I knew that that was like, to me, I was like, holy shit, this is like a tough thing to shoot. I think it was a sweet, subtle little story that happens and everyone's there. And, uh, you know, one of the things that did stand out to me was Biggs talking to uh, Bear's mom, I think, outside. Where they're like, why, why do we have to wait till death before we have to meet meet up like this? And she was like, well, what's wrong with that? You know, we still got to, you know, mourn these people. We still got to do these things together because in reality, that's when we all get together. And a lot of times we always think, well, won't you all get this good with me when I'm when I'm alive for whatever reasons? You know, we don't have you know, we always don't have the time or we have so much going on in our lives. But the reality, too, is that it's OK to get together like that because that's when I mean, you know, having just you know, recently been. Uh, dealing with, you know, funerals and all these kind of things, it is a good place to be. It is a good thing to be because, you know, you're seeing your family, you're seeing your friends and you're getting to talk stories about these people and to talk about what's going on with you. And, and, and it's almost, you know, like it's, it's almost like a family reunion, you know, <laughs> and, or, and then, you know, you got all these people who are coming to help out and you're eating a lot. And so I don't think it's bad to to have to say, well, we we only meet during funerals, at least like w- with me because I, you know, I, I have a big community of people. We go to funerals a lot. You know, I always think it's weird when people say like in their twenties before they actually go to their first funeral. And I was like, shit, I've been going to funerals since I was a baby. So, <laughs> and so yeah, and so I liked how it felt. It felt like, like it felt genuine to me, at least the the emotional experience. And i know for angela i know she loved how i ended
1: yes this is my one criticism when she called her a shit ass i was just like oh do we have to do that i mean it just kind of took yeah took me out of the scene but because
2: i play by the rules
1: yeah well you know big could have called somebody that and we would have gotten it in but her grandma could have just in the first season her grandma was just like okay take the car or whatever and we didn't really get a lot of exposition about her character so she could have gone any other way with it
2: yeah i i guess that that is something that i wish i don't know if they knew that they were going to go in this direction with this particular character but i wish this was something that was also kind of building up across the episodes i feel like if, if i had spent more time with mabel mm-hmm. I feel like it would have even more impact. I mean, it's, it's still very effective because we can all identify with this scenario. Like, we all have had people like this, and like seeing somebody in, in the way that she's sitting there and just like the demeanor and the way that people are acting, it's just like so familiar. But um, it w- just in the narrative, if like there are, you know, people from outside the communities who don't really see this sort of circumstance, it's like a glimpse. But also it would have been great to have like another.
1: Because we don't, yeah, we don't really get the backstory until the cousins start discussing a cookie and how everything changed at that point.
3: Yeah. And that's almost the exposition, right? Whenever it's done that way. I see that happening a lot with TV lately where like a character that we're supposed to have an emotion about dies and they make a host episode about it. And, you know, I like the old TV shows, like the seventies and stuff where you build up a character for like, you know, a few episodes or even a season or even that episode, they die at the end. Did you guys ever see that show? Good times. Oh yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. There was an episode where I, I want to think what Scatman Crothers guest appearance. And he comes in and he wants to spend his new years with somebody because he's alone. And so he goes his and goes stays with the Evans family and they have this big party for him. And they're like doing everything for him when they plan not to do anything. And so then at the stroke of midnight, while the record's playing, he dies, and they notice he dies, and we get to just hear that, that record just going around and around, going, and everybody's like, oh shit, he's dead. What the fuck? And that's a, more, that's a big emotional impact for me when I watched that as a, as a child. And so, you know, those are the kind of things I like where, you know, you, you get to lead up to those kind of things. And so you get to at least spend some time with these people and like yeah, we have those experiences. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they could have had some flashbacks with Mabel. And I, I mean, kind of felt nice that to was... see the community, but c- character-wise, yeah. Yeah,
3: I mean, we could even have her have that stuff, and then have her die, and then the next episode, or even have her be sick because it's even like it, it just happens all of a sudden because Laura Danning comes to bear and just says, "My grandmother's dying," and so then we're supposed to, say, and she's all crying and stuff, and she's like, "Oh, okay, was well, this the grandmother who was like the last time we saw her? She was." mean to you you know and right. i understand that we have emotions to people in our family who are shitty and we still love them and sometimes sometimes our people even friends who, are, who say or do shitty things and then when they get sick and start dying we feel that emotion but as a viewer of a fiction it usually it helps for the audience to have that emotional feeling or that connection before you actually kill them off is what i always feel is how, how stories go best ways
2: yeah, for you to feel the loss, you have to have lost something, the memories that you spend with somebody before they suddenly disappear. Even if it's like what Angela is saying with flashback, um, because it's a series that seems to be taking things across many episodes, I was hoping, or I wish Are, in hindsight, that we had like some Mabel scenes earlier. You know, maybe yeah. one or two other episodes where she's not just like.
3: Yeah. And I guess that's things that happen in the old TV show, like MASH, you know, when uh, the guy who's leaving the who was before colonel parter he leaves to go home and he's all happy oh, yeah. he's talking about all the things he's gonna do and, then, and so yeah. we're we're all like having a party and then radar comes in and says that the dude died in a fucking plane crash or some shit on yeah. the way home
1: oh my gosh and that, that
3: shit amazing. like hit me hard so I, yeah i like to see when the main characters die i think is my thing
1: yeah did I just read was it Sierra that was saying I was reading an article and and it may have been Sierra I don't remember who had said something about how it it was not or it was nice to have 22 episodes just because you could develop more and more stuff like that and with these short runs it makes it harder to build up those kinds of I guess you'd call them relationships with characters
0: yeah
3: yeah that's true too because in uh network television you do get 20 episodes or for a full season yeah so like yeah and especially if it's like yeah multiple seasons almost like the
2: anthony edwards exit in er it was like a big deal and it's because we spent so many seasons and it's like 22 episodes or whatever per season all this time developing this relationship which is Sometimes I think they call it a parasocial relationship, this like relationship you have without the, with the character outside of the episodes. Yeah, and it's tough. It's got to be tough to be able to do that in 10 episodes. And not even that, if we're getting into this season, like the fact that we had eight episodes last season, and already the large world building that they did then you know, like how could they have also stitched in this and these other characters, it is quite a challenge. And being the first show, you know, and, and then the fact that we've got new writers, of course, they're gonna like want to explore things. And, you know, we're just making, we want things to happen that just like structurally could not have been addressed.
3: Yeah. Another thing that wasn't addressed that kind of threw me off and it's a minor thing, <laughs> but uh, when we first meet Miko and Moe's, they don't have bicycles and they said they got stolen or something is that right
1: yeah that that's part of the daniel update i think in episode one
3: yeah and then in this episode they're riding off on bicycles so do we get did we ever find out how they got the bikes back
1: i don't think i noticed that i think i was so, <laughs> yeah. i was so thrown out by the shit ass ghost <laughs>
3: shit ass ghost this is the shit ass ghost <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was nice seeing a lot more women in this episode. I feel like we've been seeing a lot of these different female characters, these adult characters Auntie B, um, the mother, Rita, um, Bev from IHS. I feel like we see them in different environments and they don't really interact with each other. Even though like two of them work with each other, I feel like we don't see them interact. Seeing them all in this space, it seemed like it was really important thematically related to like what is happening, but that felt, that felt nice. It felt like they were paying attention to like making sure that they're like, not just focusing just on the young people, that they're the ones getting together or not just that like the adults are there and they're in the background. I felt like they were really given a lot of good things to be doing. Like the conversation in the kitchen about like, why aren't you over here or the sort of stories that they're telling with each other the things that they're sort of like providing a support. I feel like all those are great moments that I feel like we see in real life and they don't happen just between two individuals. They happen among a group. And I feel like that was really amazing step that was taken with the writing.
1: Yeah, we, we throw the term auntie power around a lot, but it's such an important part of community when all of us show up and take care of business You know, we're feeding people, we're cleaning up, but at the same time, we're sharing stories. We're, we're sharing emotions. We're showing how, we're showing the next generation, how we survived things and that they can do it too. And we're showing them that we're there for them when they're going through it to reach out to us as aunties, because we occupy a special place. That's not a parent, somebody that can be there and not have to worry about disciplining or you know just keeping alive we can be there for emotional support or to come pick you up from the party with no questions asked or you know taking you to get condoms the first time or whatever that's what our function is in our communities and it was so nice to see you know all hear the stories about how they got into trouble when they were younger and then how they're dealing with stuff now and you know as we'll see in the next few episodes how they build on that and it was just it was really a, a breath of fresh air for the series to see that space when we've seen it like in rutherford falls it was nice
2: Agreed. it did also one thing i really like at the end it felt like there was a like it felt like there was something that's being prepared for like what's happening on the couch they're like it's the end of the day and there's like two people that like don't normally hang out together getting close to each other based on, just out, purely out of exhaustion probably and they're forming a kind of support uh, almost in opposition to all the things that are going on so it feels like they're excluded to some degree and it felt like it was just like maybe preparing for something that's going to come in other further episodes i don't know if that's the case or not but
1: wait like, who was... was it now i can't remember
2: uh well wasn't it jackie and bear that were like she was like leaning on him at the end. I remember Jackie and Are, Cheese had a
1: moment. Yeah, Jackie. Yeah, maybe it was Cheese.
2: Well, Cheese is there also, but I feel like, was Cheese asleep? And she was, or he was there and she was, I felt like it was, I need
3: to watch it again. I remember. Obviously, yeah, because I, I remember they had an interaction and he was, she was like, I came because my aunt made me come. Right, yeah. And he, he, he was like, that's not why you're really here. And that was a good, good moment right there. That was a me. good
2: moment. Yeah, that was a great moment.
3: But I feel I, I
2: feel like that one moment is like kind of could, could blossom into something in other episodes, in the way that I wish uh, Mabel had little
3: sprinkling or something in an early yeah. episode. Oh yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing too. I mean, you just give them moments. Like, let me try to think of like even like uh, Janice Meeting's character. How she has moments, and so if we happen to, we don't want her to die, but if she happened to die you probably have more of an emotional connection to her mm-hmm. than you would, you know, with Mabel. Yeah. Totally. Because she she has some moments where she is funny and there's moments where she actually does something nice. And so you give her those those different dimensions.
1: All right. Well, thanks for tuning in as we discussed episodes 3 and 4, Ruffin and Mabel, and we want to thank Sunrise for joining us and Remember, don't just keep it real. Keep it real, real indigenous. indigenous.
3: You shit asses.
1: Oh God.
0: <laughs> Something told me it was. Done.